Thanks for listening to one of our messages at Crossroads Bible Church. We gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in person and online. To find out more about our church or to connect to any of our ministries, visit our website at crossroadsbible.org. We hope you enjoy the message and pray it encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. Uh, So I have parents, uh, much like many of you do. And I love my parents. I truly do. Um, But I do feel like maybe right now before I talk about honoring them, this might be a point where I could bring up how a little bit crazy they are. Uh, I love my parents, but they can definitely be very interesting people. You know, we grew up in the Assemblies of God church. That was where we grew up. It was a branch of the Pentecostal church, which means there was a lot of interesting things that happened each Sunday morning. Uh, And if you don't know what that is, just Google it. Um, But uh, (laughs) you'll find some interesting stuff. Uh, So we lived in, my parents grew up in Florida. Um, They both had parents who were also in the AG church. So that was really kind of nailed into us real early, real fast. And then, especially in those days, and and I I haven't been back in a long time, but I know in those days when I grew up and when they grew up, it was a very legalistic type of denomination where um, a lot of the teaching was don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Um, And so that kind of came home a little bit too, which to their credit was actually rather helpful. Um, It really helped establish a sense of right and wrong in me from an early age. But there was a little bit of legalism in that that denomination. And, And so when we came home, there was a very strong sense of discipline. There were a lot of rules and they all kind of related back to these 10 commandments in some way. And another one my parents loved to use um, which I admit I have also used a lot, was the old-fashioned golden rule. Do you guys know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, when I was a kid, there's actually a home video of me uh, where I'm saying what I thought the golden rule was, which was do unto others as they do unto you. So, like, I thought it was my biblical obligation for when my sister stole something from me for me to then steal from her. Uh, That was just the rule that I understood, and I followed it very, very well. You know, my mom, uh, she's a wonderful, lovely woman. She is the kind of mom, you know, growing up. This is the image I I sort of see her in. You know, let's say that me and my family were sitting at the base of Mount Sinai when Moses comes down and starts reading these commandments, you know. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, uh, all the things. And, but really when she gets, when, I feel like when Moses got to this one, honor your father and mother, my mom most likely is the kind of mom that she would have raised her hand and said, oh, Mr. Moses, please, Mr. Moses. She'd like push people out of the way, get me and my kids up to the front. You know, there's three of us, but somehow I think in this moment she would have spontaneously burst a third arm from her side so she could grab each of us by that, you know that spot in the back of your arm that parents just know where it is? Uh, and grabbed all three of us, ruled, pulled us up there and said, Mr. Moses, please, can you just say that one one more time? Just say it so that everyone's listening and uh, one more time. So he would read it again. And then my mom has a look. I don't know if your parents or you have the look. I know that I have one that I've adopted for myself. But my mom had that look that says, pay attention to this or something's going to happen. And it, I, I can't really do it, but essentially it would have been something like, like giving us that look, making soul-piercing eye contact that makes it very clear that this is something I should probably pay attention to. Um, that's my mom, and I love her so much. 
Um, another great thing about my mom, I mentioned the arm grabbing, but you know, moms have that special pinch power. You know, they, they know that exact spot and it's very similar to where they grab you, but it's like right here. I can't find it. I don't know where it is, but it's this special little quick pinch that just brings shivers all up and down your body so that you know that whatever you're doing is wrong. My mom was so gifted at this. I don't know how she did it. We could be in the back of the car and somehow she would be able to reach back and find it. And that is an immediate shut up point. I don't know how it happened, but she just knew that quick pink and you would be quiet. Powerful. My mom has powers. Um, and she's going to hear this. And it's possible that next time I see her, she will remind me about that pinch spot. My dad, my dad wasn't so much the pinching type. My dad had a very organized way of, of doling out discipline in the house. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to offend anybody, but we were a spanking family. All right. It was just how they did it. Uh, I don't believe they were abusive, but it did hurt. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He didn't take it easy on me, but it hurt. Um, so he had a system, right? And it was organized. Like I knew, and I knew what the system was. Eventually I figured it out pretty quick. Uh, like if I, uh, if I lied, you know, he'd be like, you lied. And this is what he called it. <clears throat> he called like the amount of spanks that we got, he called them licks. Like, if you lie, you get two licks. And licks meant, I, I don't know why he said that. It was, it's the weirdest word for this, really. Uh, he had this, I don't know if you've ever seen like one of those little thin paint stirrers. On it, he had written, I feel like it's important to note this was the 80s, all right? So there's weird words being used here. Uh, on it, he had written, Nick's Heine Warmer. I don't know. Uh, and so I knew that two licks meant that he's going to find the next Heine warmer and wrap me on the back a couple times. And by the back, I mean, you know. Um, and he called them licks. So you lied, you get, a, you get two licks. You disobeyed, that's two. You watched MTV, that's five, okay? <laughs> and of course, sometimes, because I was a very creative child, I stepped out of the licks system uh, and did something that maybe dad hadn't really anticipated. Uh, like maybe I'm six or seven years old and I wake up at six in the morning and grab the phone that still had the and call everyone on my soccer team and invite them over to the house at six in the morning on a Saturday. They had not anticipated this. There was no licks system for that one. Not an anticipated uh, mistake there. Um, or maybe I'm a little older. I'm the age of 12 and I get caught. Uh, I get caught smoking old cigarette butts behind the church with the pastor's kid. <laughs> he didn't have that in his system. It wasn't an anticipated thing for me. And I, I reached out to my parents and said, what is the most ridiculous thing that, I, that you remember me doing? Uh, and I will tell you, it's not a very salacious story. It's just a stupid story. All right. I was 17 and I had decided that today was a good day to skip school. So my friend, Sean and I, we, uh, we showed up. And the reason was that he and I both realized that we had a chemistry test that we hadn't studied for. And we were like, you know what, it'd probably be best to skip it. Let's go over to your house and study. 
and then we'll be ready the next day, right? In our minds, it was a very intellectually minded, very wise choice, right? Because we didn't want to fail this test. We wanted to do well. Um, so we did. We skipped school that day. We went and parked uh, right outside his apartment. We hung out in his house all day. Uh, we might have taken a nap. There might have been some video games played. I think we briefly discussed chemistry, but it doesn't matter. Um, we still got a pretty bad grade on it the next time. Uh, however, now see that in itself, I had done that before and it never really caused a problem. I never got caught, never was really a situation. However, this particular time, <clears throat> I had a dentist appointment that day. And so my parents uh, called in to school to say, uh, to have me ready to be picked up for this dentist appointment. And of course they called and said, uh, hi, can you ask Nick Robinson to come to the office? We can pick him up for this dentist appointment. And they were like, he's not here. Uh, and then, so my parents, of course, freaked out. And remember, this is pre-cell phones. This is like 1999 or something like that. So unless I wanted to be like, have one of those big brick ones that was the size of a, you know, army radio, uh, I didn't have any way to be communicated with. And so they freaked out and the, we were lived on, we, the school was on a military base. So it was a relatively confined place. And so they drove all around. Um, and they saw my car parked outside of my friend's apartment. They didn't know which one he lived in, but apparently they went and like knocked on all the doors. And this must have been the point that we were taking a nap and didn't notice. Um, but they were very upset. And so uh, I get home that day and my mom and dad are there at the door ready to talk to me, which uh, of course I immediately realized something has gone wrong. Um, my beautiful plan did not work out the way I'd anticipated. And so they asked me, Nick, where have you been today? We tried to find you at the school and you weren't there. And here's where I unraveled the dumbest, most ill-conceived deception I had ever up to that point attempted. I told them that, and of course they left out the fact that they'd already seen my car. They knew the answer to the question. They were just very curious as to how I was going to explain this. I told them that on driving my car into school, it broke down on the side of the road. And it was very close to the entrance of the base, the military base where the school was. And so I got out and pushed it. Pushed my broken down car all the way in to the school. And it took me so long that by the time I got there, school was over. And then somehow my car started and I drove it home. My dad said, really? You know that father or parent moment where you realize that you've got them? You've caught them deep into something stupid? This was his moment. And so he said, wow, that's, I can't believe that. You know, normally uh, entering a military base, they won't let you push a broken down car in. So I'm just going to call down to the gatehouse and just check in uh, and because someone should be in trouble for this. That's not allowed. And I was like, you go ahead. You do that because they, they told me it was fine. And I sat there and let him call. And they said, nope, didn't happen. And I was like, they must have changed shifts by now because it's like four o'clock and that was like 745. I'm going to be honest. I held tight to this lie, held tight for dear life and never confessed. They did not break me. And I don't know if it's one of the dumbest or most impressive moments of my stupid 17-year-old life, but I never gave in. To this day, I will not admit, shoot, they're going to listen to this. I'm lying now. 
I did not skip school. It really was the pushing the car thing. That is what happened. It was crazy. Um, but again, dad had not planned for that one. You know, the funny thing is about this, about this particular commandment. I think we often read it and we do the thing where we maybe turn to our kids and say, are you listening to this? But really, I think if we look at the heart behind it, it's not so much just a command for the young children. I think, in fact, it's hardly for them at all. I think it's mostly for the adults. I think it's mostly meant for parents and people who have older parents. Because when we are children, there is a very natural order that requires us to obey and honor our parents to an extent. Because if we don't, they know where the pinch spot is. They are the possessors of the Heine warmer. They are the ones with the power, right? They have control. Um, but when we move out and they lose that natural authority, the urge to rebel and push back against that authority becomes much, much stronger. And I believe it is this, this rebellious spirit within each of us that, that God is speaking to, to honor our parents even after they lose all their power. John Piper says, the reason there should be reverence and awe for a mom or a dad is so that a child will learn what reverence and awe for God is like. You see, kids are wonderful, but they just don't, they don't know any better. As parents, our joy, our, our passion, and our job is to uphold this command, to teach them to honor us. But if while we're teaching them to honor us, we do not honor our own parents, there's an hypocrisy there that, and I don't know if you know this, kids are really good at picking up on adult hypocrisy, especially as they become teenagers. And more than that, if we are modeling what it looks like to honor our parents, we are also modeling what it looks like to honor God himself. And if we are doing that, we will stand out as Christians. We will stand out among a society that really does not do this very well. You know, as Americans, we are growing more and more independent, right? It's all about striking out on your own, finding your own way, becoming independent. But I wonder, and the question I have is, what is the cost of this obsession with independence? Outside of Western American culture, family looks really different. You know, it's not at all uncommon for a newly married couple to, in, in like Central or South America particularly, to move into one of their parents' homes and they'll build a new room or two and raise their family there, taking care of their own parents as they age. That's an incredibly common way of life outside of this country. We look at young adults here in America and we think when, if they move back in with their parents after college or even after high school, that that's some kind of a failure. But, but is it? You see, independence, is, is dependence on family really such a terrible thing? You look at statistics about the nuclear family, right? We hear that phrase a lot. And if you look at how it's going, it is truly kind of crumbling around us. Just 18% of U.S. households are nuclear families. That's a married couple with children, right? That's down from 40% 
since the 70s, and it is currently the lowest it has ever been in recorded history. That's not great. You know, and also we have people's life expectancy is rising. People are living longer, but the care that we provide for them is falling. You look at a list of the wealthiest nations in the world, and our country, the United States, ranks in the bottom when it comes to caring for the elderly. And in a society, society that seems to be pushing us away from the nuclear family, I believe that particularly through this one commandment, that God is showing us a better way. See, commandments one through four deal with our relationship with God. And five through 10, this being the first of those, deals with how we relate to others, deals with our relationship to others. So let me read this commandment in its full entirety, and then we'll start talking about what it means. So Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So what if this doesn't mean what we think it does? What if it's more than just listen to your parents? What if it's way bigger than just respect and obey? I think we need to start with the word honor. We use the word honor very little. We like words like respect, obey, listen, but honor is the specific word chosen here. And I feel like it's sort of lost its meaning in among us. You know, in Hebrew, it's the word kabed, which means to be heavy, weighty, burdensome, to glorify, to make wealthy, to hold to a high degree. And in Leviticus 19.3, it says, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. And that word revere is the same word that's used when it says to fear the Lord your God. Like in Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So often, I think we believe honor your father and mother can mean to respect and obey, but I think that scripture is painting a different, heavier picture here. Parents are to be honored. And honor is far more than calling on their birthday, sending a card or flowers for Mother's Day, or getting your dad a gift to, I don't know, Bass Pro Shop on Father's Day, right? Those are pieces of a much larger, heavier, weightier puzzle that I believe the scripture is pointing us to. Honor means to give weight to, to support, to revere those who are older than you. And this fifth commandment is concerned specifically with the home and the family. And if you look in Jewish culture when this was going on, and even after, of course, family solidarity has been one of the many unique features of their culture. Understanding the law uh, being that this is the warning against treating your parents with, with a lack of honor. And, and if you look really deep into this culture at this time, you can find that among the tribes and nations around Israel, there was a very dark practice of essentially eliminating the elderly and the, the ones that just couldn't take care of themselves. There are many stories of cultures that when they got to a certain age, they sort of abandoned them, like literally kicked them out of the tribe or the nation and said, good luck. Because if they could not provide, if they could not work for the good of the society, what good were they? And God is speaking to Israel and saying, at the very minimum, we're not doing that, right? Thankfully, I don't know that that's much of a problem here. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, at least. I hope not. Please come talk to me after if it is. But through this, he is saying that we are going to be different. In fact, in all of these commandments that he's giving them, and in all of the law that he gives, his ultimate uh, sort of purpose in this one of them was to say, we are going to be different. We will not do as others have done. Parents are to be honored, protected, revered, and the reward is plain. And we'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk about what he says after, if you do this, this is what will happen. When we as a society, and I think we do this in a different way, but when we as a society don't see you contributing, there's a tendency for us to think that we don't have time for you. And when we model a lack of honor for those older than us, how can we expect our children to honor us? When we honor our parents, we model honor to our children. And when we model honor to our children, we are teaching them not only how we desire to be treated, but how we should honor God and revere him ourselves. And looking at the family, parents are God's instruments in a child's life to meet their physical needs, yes, but also to introduce the child to the ways of the Lord. The spiritual priority of parents is seen in the scriptures very clearly. Uh, and you can even see it in the fact that many of Israel's, relig Israel's religious ceremonies, like the Passover meal, were conducted within the family. It was the responsibility of the family to bring these, these traditions and this, this understanding of who God was into the home. You look in, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it's something called the Shema, a prayer that Jewish families would pray together in the morning and in the evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This prayer has been one of the most influential traditions in the Jewish history, and the Shema has functioned as both their pledge of allegiance and hymn of praise. And right in there, over and over again, it says, bring this into the home. Bring it into the home when you're together, when you're walking, when you're eating. Make it so that it is impossible for your children to leave your home without knowing who God is. Honor your father and mother is just not just a call to care for your parents, but it is a giant arrow pointing to the sustaining power of a loving, God-fearing family. The family unit is where this all begins. It's where we nail down all these commandments and build new believers who honor God and their elders. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Discipleship has to begin in the family. Parents, our most important work of discipleship happens in the home with our children. Now, my parents did a wonderful job of this. I knew who my parents revered most of all, and it was God the Father. And as a child, I knew that honor and respect for my parents was a requirement when I stepped out of line on this, I was corrected. It was no little thing to show lack of honor for my parents. And if my father felt that I wasn't showing him or particularly my mother the honor they deserved, 
his organizational punishments sort of faded away and swift retribution often took over. I'll tell you this story. And I think the statute of limitations has run out on it, so he's safe. Once when I was 19, I said something absolutely terrible and completely over the line to my mother in front of my dad. Now, mom and I got into a lot of arguments, and often he just sat back and observed. But waiting for me to cross that line. In this particular time, I crossed, I, ju- I used a pole vault and got as far over the line as I possibly could. Proverbs 20.20 says, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Now, I don't know if my lamp was put out in utter darkness, but I definitely saw spots after he was through with me. And I'm not saying this to say, look at the evil, terrible thing. My, I'm saying that was a crystallizing moment for me when I realized maybe it took me 19 years to finally lock it in, but that this was not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. My dad is usually a very calm, put-together individual. And in that moment where he seemed to step out of himself and correct me, I recognized this is absolutely unacceptable for many reasons. I am not telling you this as a prescription for how to parent your children. I am just saying it happened. And for me, it was meaningful. And a very important part of discipleship is to bring discipline and love mingling together into that home. And my parents did that incredibly well. They were not afraid to bring discipline and discipleship into the home together. And they did much more than just, you know, dropping me off in children's church on Sunday, which I will tell you is an incredibly vital role in the discipleship of your children. Do not expect to just do it alone. The church exists so that we can, part of the reason, so we can bring others in on this journey to bring discipleship and, and understand who God is through the help of others. That's an important part. But I'm telling you right now, it can't be everything. Off, um, offloading the, the role of discipleship to other people ain't going to do it. I mean, if you look at the amount of time as a youth pastor, I know that on a good year, I get about 30 hours a year with the teenagers. And that's not enough. That's not going to do it. When you compare that with how much time and influence a parent has, it's like a very small drop in the bucket. My, my role as a youth pastor is to sort of partner alongside and help to instill some ideas that then hopefully parents can flesh out with them. I can't do the whole thing. Kara Martens, our children's minister, she can't do the whole thing. You know, the Shema says, you shall teach them diligently. When you sit in your house, when you go for a walk, when you're resting, when you get up, God's word should be burned into your eyelids. The discipleship of our family and our children must be our greatest priority. Because God's best means for our flourishing is through the family. Now, all that said, what if we have a bad family? What if our parents are less than honorable? Well, I'm going to go back to my own family and talk about this. My mom's father was not great. 
Um, when she was growing up, he was verbally, physically abusive. He ran around on my grandmother for years and, and was violent with her. Finally, they got away from him and he eventually moved away. Now, my mom had every reason in the world to cut him off from our lives completely. But something in her knew that this was not the best good. That wasn't honor. He was still her father. Now, eventually, he turned his life around a bit, got things together. Still problematic, still difficult uh, to be around. And there's a lot of bad memories in my mom's mind of being around him. Yet, she still visited. She still brought her grandchildren. And to her credit, as a child, I had no idea what had happened in the past with him. She did not tell us these things until we were much older. I think because in her mind, that just, that wasn't honoring. I had no idea the atrocities that he had committed against my grandmother and my own mother. Uh, all I knew is that he was a nice grandpa with chickens and ugly cat and a pear tree in his backyard. That's, that's what I knew of him. I enjoyed being around him. Perhaps the greatest evil I attributed to him when I was a child was that he lived in Houston and didn't have air conditioning. That was evil. And I'm positive that when he emerged in, uh, in you know, the end times, they will request an explanation for that, uh, that he would subject not only himself but his grandchildren to Houston heat. And we often visited in the summer, so I don't know how I survived. But my mom knew that not telling me those things and bringing me around was, in fact, the best good, not just for her, but for me. That she could model honor in that way. It meant something to me. It meant something very deeply. When, I, when she slowly, as I got older, started to kind of tell me some of these, these stories, I couldn't believe that she even talked to him at all. But she did. She wrote letters, she called, she visited. Honor requires a laying down of our preferences. And I think in a lot of ways, honor requires it sometimes even a laying down of our principles so that others who deserve it might be lifted up. It is a difficult thing, honor. It is sacrifice. It is work. It is heavy. It is, as is in the definition, burdensome. But still, even in our situation, we were lucky. My grandpa had kind of gotten his act together. Not a lot of people do this. Not a lot. So what about those now whose parents are still not to be trusted or, or are in, maybe in some ways dangerous? How do you show honor to them? My answer to this, to be quite honest, is I don't know. I think that there's a great deal of work that can be done through prayer. But there are certain people in our lives that it is just not wise to give our time to, to bring our children around. And I understand that. And I don't think that keeping people from dangerous family members is breaking this covenant at all. I think that's part of our own discipleship of our children. I do think that this is part of the reason why we have the church. 
We can look to others, good, loving men and women in this room here who can be positive influences in ours and in the lives of our children and that we can show honor to in order that we might model well for our children what it means to honor their elders and therefore honor God. I think there are ways that we can still accomplish this even when our own parents are problematic and not safe. So why in all, why at all should we actually do this? Yes, it helps us learn these things. It models what we need to be doing, but why are we doing this? I think when we look at the opposite side of it, why shouldn't we? Because a lack of honor, a lack of honor leads to a lack of honor for everything. When we model a lack of honor to our children, they won't learn what that is. Because outside of the family relationship, I don't know where they're going to see this. They're not going to see it in schools. They're not going to see it on their sports teams. They're not going to see it anywhere. It is within the family. And as far as I can tell, in the family alone, that they have the opportunity to see this. We are the one beacon of light for our children to see what honor is. It is imperative that we take this commandment seriously and recognize that honor is a good and valuable thing that we need to be modeling for our children so that we will be honored and that they will learn that God himself should be honored. Because a God that is not honored is a God that I can pretty much make up for my own. A God that is honored is one who I can look at his words and say, eh, that's not that important, that's not that important, I like this one, I don't want to do this one. It, it leads to an opportunity for us to pick and choose the role, the, 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 the laws and love that God shows us and say, this one's good, this one's not so good. When you don't honor something, why would I listen to it? Its words are not that valuable to me. But when there is honor, we understand the weightiness to what God is saying to us. And we allow those things to change us. Honoring our father and mother is an important part of just family life, but it is also an incredibly important concept to understand so that we might have the right kind of relationship with God the Father. Another answer to this question as to why we should do it, because there's a promise attached to it. Ephesians 6.1 reminds us, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And that promise of longevity that accompanies this, this commandment is not so much that you individually will live long, but that your people, if they do this, will live long, will, will survive, will be a stable community. When he's speaking to Israel, he's saying, if you guys can hold on to this commandment, the people of Israel will last longer. It will be a stabilizing force in your community. And so when we look at it like that, all of that is true. The honor thing, the parents thing, and how we model that is absolutely important. And when we do that, if we can do that, the church itself will grow in its influence and its, and its, and its understanding of the people outside of it. It will grow in its power and it will last a long time. When we take value off of this, we are stripping the church of its influence in the world. 
If we can be set apart from the world by showing honor to our families no matter what, we can make, we can correct many of the errors that the church has brought upon, brought upon ourselves over the years. We can readjust and correct our destination. Like many of the commandments of the law, these were meant to make Israel stand out from the nations around them. How much more true is that for us now? Because it is, and this is a simple thing, but it is so easy to not be present with our families right now. There are so many reasons that we can, we can find to not show honor, to not be present. We have more opportunity than ever to not be what we should be for our families. But what if we as a church and a congregation and as the capital C church, I, I just imagine with me, what if we made a commitment to be these kind of children and these kind of parents, ones that held honor high, that we brought discipleship into our family even when it's awkward, and we remembered that we are the primary source of discipleship for our children, that we are their primary models for what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And my last point I want to make. You know, it's easy to expect honor because we are due that honor as parents, but what if we went above and beyond that and lived, committed to live in such a way that deserved honor? My parents expected honor and respect from me because they deserved it simply by being my parents, but, and they weren't perfect, but they also made a concerted effort to earn that honor from me as well. And you know, as a child, I might not have understood that, but it is now, looking back, that I can, sh that I can see the very many ways that they showed honor to me, they showed honor to their parents, and they showed honor to God. It's like Solomon said in Proverbs, teach a child in the way he should go, and even when they're older, they will remember it. That's so very, very true for my life. And when you're in the thick of it, like right now, I have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. It's hard to tell if they actually understand what this is. It's hard to know because I'm right there in the middle of it or I'm, ad I'm adamantly trying to do this, but it doesn't always seem like it's working. And I'm hoping beyond hope that when they finally do move beyond being a child, that they will possibly hopefully recognize that I tried to do this and that it will make an impact and then on their children, and on theirs, and on theirs, and on theirs. I am hoping that I can carry on the tradition of valuing honor that my parents did and their parents did. Because I know that I am the primary discipler of my kids. And that is incredibly important to me. So here's my final reminder of what we're doing here. If we can obey and honor our parents, we can more easily and obey and honor our God. And if we can obey and honor our parents, we can be a taller and brighter city on a hill for those who do not know God. Family discipleship is the key and we can't neglect it. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We honor you. We, we, we know who you are in our life. 
And God, I just pray that you impress upon us the weightiness of this commandment. God, that you would remind us that it is not simply a matter of just being nice to our parents, but God, that it is going far beyond that and accepting the burden of honoring even when it's difficult. God, burn this into our brains. Let it be a sign on our doorposts that we might not neglect what you have made important. We ask this in your name. Amen.